Welcome to the Royal Diaries, Unlocking History. My name is Felicia. My name is Julia. We are sisters who love books, history, and talking about them both. We're doing a deep dive into the Royal Diaries series. Come with us as we learn about the girls who became women that shaped history. So what are the questions we would like to ask ourselves and ask the universe? I think also, too, is that maybe we should go with the purpose of the hiatus, too, as well. Do we want to? If Do you want to get into how you're busy and how I'm busy, or do you want to just say... The purpose of a hiatus is that... We need to play some catch-up. Well, no, we're... To keep our uh, consistent rhythm... Exactly. It, we have to factor in this... A break. We have to factor in breaks. And mm-hmm. then it was a question of, did we want to try to bank and do 10 episodes in the backlog? Which, let's be honest, if we were just chit-chatting about our favorite movies or our favorite TV shows or whatever, and minimal editing or anything like that... Or that, research. Or that would be fine. But because there's the research mm-hmm. element, I think that, I think, well, if you want to say what has surprised you in the, the journey of podcasting. Which is, uh, at the same time, it's not surprising at all. But at the same time, it's just super annoying that anybody who's not white and European, it's just, it's not a lot that's been translated into English also trying to go and synthesize down either a lot of information or going and reading something that ends up being pretty eyebrow raising where then you go and you have to do a little bit of digging to basically try and guarantee some of the veracity mm-hmm. of what's being said so it's and then also you know you have to go and make some like those editorial choices there are a bunch of like these myths slash stories about Cleopatra that is like did it actually go and happen and then it sort of ends becoming you know we could go and talk about how she apparently wouldn't put a pearl and a thing of vinegary wine and then drink the whole thing and that's how she's this is the most expensive meal ever pretty much and then i think it was caesar or auntie one of them was like i'm turned on by the fact that you spend money (laughs) no but somebody was i'll go and i'll pay you a bunch of money yeah somebody but the thing is so you have to go and ask is this actually going to be a useful piece of information yeah what does this have to do with the story or whatever you're trying to share. And I think each episode or each person is sort of what you're able to find, but then also when you're reading about it, it can kind of shape what you do or don't share about them. For example, Anastasia, there's only so much you know about a 17-year-old girl mm-hmm. that hasn't already been hashed out there. And also because of through photographs and blah, 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 it, it's pretty much all there. We don't have a diary, an actual diary of hers or anything like that. So I guess I'll have to talk about more about the context of how does she become a myth more mm-hmm. so because that's more of the information that's out there. And I think that's partially why, especially for the Marie Antoinette episode, it became more interesting in terms of let's go and talk about the context of this is where she came from in terms of her family. Because I think a lot of people forget that she's Austrian anyways, or Mm -hmm. that her mother was such a powerhouse. Yeah. And then a lot of people, oh, Versailles, rich, blah, 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 which is true, but it's sort of a, okay, let's go and talk a little bit about this archaic etiquette system. How did it all go and show up? And really, what were the political factors that went behind creating that type of system? Yeah. Instead of just saying, oh, all this stuff, none of this existed. And all of a sudden, Marie Antoinette shows up and then all of a sudden we, we do everything like this. Exactly. And she's the one that is driving it and making it happen when really she just ends up getting absorbed into this wacky system. system exactly 
So I have prepared some questions. You have prepared questions. I will read them aloud. Okay, so one, what is one standout fact you learned over the last five episodes? Ideally, what did we learn from the other person? Oh, wow, there's oh, quite a few things. I would say the the one, two things, actually. The outrage over Marie Antoinette's wearing her peasanty clothes wasn't about, oh, she's not looking fancy in terms of, like, what a royal should like. It was more like she's wearing English muslin instead of supporting French artisans with French silk and how that, in turn, led further down the line to this whole thing of wearing airy and simple sort of pride and prejudice regency looking Mm -hmm. stuff and how because france was in turmoil because of the revolution then english cotton industry really exploded and that sort of linear line from marie antoinette wearing that kind of outfit just sort of continued on instead of i don't know for some reason in my mind i was thinking of almost like i knew that simple faction was in reaction to the, the fussy kind of stuff that came before but i didn't think about marie antoinette as being kind of like a bridge between those two things mm-hmm. in that way. So that was that was an interesting way of re-examining this scandal that I already knew about, but I didn't know about it in terms of that. Just so. like a fun plug, if you are ever in Bath in England, they have what's known as the Fashion Museum, and I believe it's below the arcade. I'm probably wrong about that, but it's two blocks up from the Abbey. Anyways, but it is what it says on the tin. It's a fashion museum, and they really actually, what's great about it is that they have this amazing selection of 18th century fashion mm. and then early 19th century fashion, and you can go and see the changes, and especially because it happened in a 20 year period. You such a shift in how fashion works. I mean, I think that right now and the way of fashion works right now, we have this sense that things go like such these quick cycles and everything like that. Well, fashion, it always was on a cycle, but because things were so expensive and because going and changing fashion was only really done by the rich, but even rich people at the time had unlimited, like had limited money. You wouldn't have such a rapid change in silhouette and style, but because it's cotton muslin, which is really cheap, Well, and also that's sort of at the dawn of the full-on industrial age, like factories of hundreds of people being able to do mill work instead of an individual doing their own by hand kind of work. Well, and also then the fashion became, it became stylish. Basically, they were let's have a minimalist capsule wardrobe. That was the whole big thing. So you would basically have your standard day dress and then you would basically just go and accessorize the crap out of it. Do you know what's a really good illustration of that principle is in Bright Star mm-hmm. because of how you get to see how Fanny alters her simple, like you're saying, st- staple fashion pieces and updating them and adding an extra ruffle and things like that to just zhuzh it or yep. I'm wearing the same dress but I have a different kind of little cappy jacket now or a different hat kind of thing like that. Or even uh, the 2020 Emma that mm-hmm. was directed by Autumn DeWilde. There, she really only wears four dresses but she just keeps on accessorizing them differently in pretty much each scene and even gasp repeats some of her accessories but just uses them in a different way or in a different combination which i really appreciate like that in tv and in movies isn't done enough no my goodness in the i'm just thinking about you know watching the oc when i was 
teen and I'm like, how many tank tops does this one person have? She, she must have an entire closet just full of tank tops. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, even as we read in the book, Maria would go and wear her hair in the same way multiple times days in a row. It's true. Sleeping with the box to oh, hold gosh. it still. What about you? What was uh, one I did not know that fact? So... I mean, obviously there's more than one but, on both our sides, but what's one that right now just pops in your head that 1492 was like the most <laughs> ridiculous like off the chain year i don't even want to just say spanish history probably in european history like world history one of those classic things about did you know that martin luther king jr and anne frank were born in the same year and you're like, oh snap they totally were but you don't really think about it because they're just those lines of and the history have not been woven into the tapestry yeah, side by side. Things are chunked apart. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And plus also it is taking place at the height of the Renaissance too. I really just had this thing about, oh yeah, all these people were truly just going about their lives just right next to each other. How wild is that? Could you imagine being a baker in Florence and <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci's dumbass rolls in when he's hungover and then like, a couple like days later Donatello shows up because he really likes her wife's buns or whatever maybe in more ways than one i just sometimes when you think about it it's just wild okay rarigo borgia give me my people bowl yeah <laughs> like send this document it's wild you know that whole thing of if you could invite any famous people to dinner who would you invite i and don't even need to go i know I was, I was i don't need to pull them from different timelines they're all in the same timeline exactly this is a wild dinner we party we could actually have in 1492 yeah. So, oh, man. Guest appearance by Rodrigo Borsha showing up. What? Jeremy Irons is here? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Jeremy Irons? <laughs> How'd you get here? Exactly. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the knowledge bank about someone you talked about? Let me think about that. Is there anyone in terms... Because you got to talk about Cleopatra, and you got to talk about Marie Antoinette, your faves. Yes. And then... And then I did Elizabeth... Isabel and Anastasia, mm-hmm. you get to do three next, next time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, doing this rotation cycle, which is fair. <laughs> I, think, I think also, though, is because I'm coming up to like a point where it's a uh, fortunately we are just stepping away from just solely most of the European. AKA or inside shore, like the Mediterranean basin history. The ones you quote unquote already know. Yeah, and we're going to be going and expanding it. But let's be real, most white history classes are not interested in talking about the women who are going to be talking about upcoming. So it'll be interesting to see how we end up having to tackle them because it may be yeah stuff may not be translated or just because it's a woman and she's not white even the, the fact how we we're saying it's hard to find accurate dates about when people are born yeah and it's well it's because she's a woman even if she ends up being you know elizabeth the first mom yeah you don't care yes. at the time so just coupled on top of that who's the people usually writing the history textbooks straight white dudes yeah do you think they're gonna take the time to do intensive fact checking about you know people from the african continent or china china or wherever so 
anyways, that's just a precursor for what we have to look forward to. But I don't know, it could take our episodes in a different direction because frankly, I don't know too much. I have cursory knowledge of a lot of the different places where we're going to travel through time. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be kind of cool to learn more about the actual spaces and places. For some reason, my brain just went to Country Mouse and City Mouse, that cartoon <laughs> where they used to go and be at different historical events. Of, first of all, but they had cousins all over the world I and they like, were like all different races and backgrounds and ethnicities. Which on one hand, cool. I can probably buy because, you know, I'm, mice are mice, right? right? I don't know. It's <laughs> members of the rats. I had 476 brothers and sisters. <laughs> Anyways, but the point is, I'm just thinking about that, us going around the world. Emily and Alexander. Yeah. Just traveling the world. Sorry, what was the question? Any additional fun fact things that you didn't include necessarily or wanted to just talk a little bit more about because it was kind of maybe off topic of how you were approaching your subjects did Cleopatra like all these other myths about Cleopatra did she go and drink that pearl or whatever mm-hmm. did, then we briefly touched did she do the rug thing does yeah. it really matter but I mean I think that Marie Antoinette really liked to bathe like and she introduced like the flush toilet to Versailles because she's I am not gonna go and piss in a corner because that's literally what people would do because there were thousands of people at Versailles and Louis the Fourteenth I mean God bless him except not but he was I'm gonna go and have everybody live here but I'm not gonna go and have enough bathrooms anywhere and not enough chamber pots I guess or people were just man everyone's doing it I can do it too well I think the thing is too is because the way how Versailles is laid out everything's ridiculously far from everybody so there weren't exactly public washrooms you can't just go walk into somebody's room yo man i have to pee i gotta go there you have to go back to your room but if your room is literally a 10 mile walk away from where you are you are not gonna be able to hold it in well i do know that houses estates palaces etc around that time were built there's no the idea of a hallway being like a passageway that different rooms are connected to doesn't exist you literally walk through a room to get to a room to get to a room. room. So if you're looking for a private corner or a place to have a chamber pot to just whatever, there really isn't the space for it, isn't there? Or you'd have those big galleries. I mean, so basically, it became really popular in Versailles to just shit in a corner. <laughs> yeah, basically, like you shit in a corner or you shat in a box and you left it there. Fingers it's, crossed, a servant will get it. And nobody bathed, mm. and everybody just wore perfume. So it was, it smelled like a dirty toilet covered in like Chanel number no. five. Oh. It was disgusting. Yes. And so they would basically go and leave for two weeks. The entire court just pack them. And, and these poor stores, like, okay, we're going to scrub from top to bottom. Week after the people come back, it's just destroyed, destroyed again. <laughs> exactly. So Marie Antoinette said, excuse me, no. And so she got a flush toilet installed along with going and having a bath pretty much two or three times a week to the point where she would write letters in her bath. She would go and have tea and meet with people. She was, you know what? Like, if you want to keep on doing all this dumb shit, you can do it, but I'm going to have my bath. And you know what? I respect that. <laughs> Who knows, maybe because when you're in the bath, there isn't the same etiquette maybe of who has to hand you whatever because nothing is happening. You're just chilling. So maybe to escape from 
who's handing you the this and what's Doing the order the that. of that. Uh, the only time I can have a pause on this is if I'm literally singing this bad stuff. They're like, are you going to get out? It's been three hours. No. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and she would have really, really long baths too. Nice. So that's something that I... Didn't make it in the original cut. Did not make it into the original <laughs> cut. Plus, I mean, there's that. Oh, and also her mom being all about ass's milk was also really true. Oh, and Marie bathing in, sh- in donkey milk, yeah. Drinking it, washing your faces with it. It was basically a whole thing, which actually turns out is true because donkeys actually have really nutritious milk, and it is also really good for the skin, too. There you go. What about you? I feel like there was some stuff with Elizabeth that was a little bit more cursory just because, you know, it's her first kick at the can. I didn't take time to really get into age of exploration and how she was a huge patron of that, but then mm-hmm. on the side came with that was the expansion of uh, England as part of what would eventually become the official transatlantic slave network. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that whole thing. And finding quote-unquote America, establishing the first colonies there, etc. But really, apart from her patronage of sort of her heroic dashing men to do those things like the Sir Walter Raleigh's and stuff like that, I didn't see too much apart from her just saying, yes, I like the fact that something's named after me, Virginia, and Mm -hmm. having ownership of something. Which, by the way, I did not clue until until I was in high school and also named after Queen Elizabeth. Where the fuck do you get virgin? Oh! Oh, yeah, they're like virgin country, literally. Yeah, so I think... I now think that is branding. That's branding. Well, and you know, there's that great portrait that was done of her shortly after the defeat of the Spanish Armada, where you have the Spanish Armada out through the window, mm-hmm. and just to show you they got defeated and the English are kicking their asses. She's standing there and her hands on a globe, but she's actually touching where Virginia it would be on the map kind of mm-hmm. thing. Just saying, I own this. Yeah. So I think she was really into the idea of expanding her iconography further Mm -hmm. and also the use of her taking advantage of the fact that with essentially the banning even though she didn't officially outright ban it but the banning of Catholicism there's a need for a new lady for people to look up to because you're not allowed to have the Virgin Mary you have now the Virgin Elizabeth exactly and also just about essentially how history is written by the winners and let's be honest a lot of the unflattering stuff talked about with her sister Mary the first people who are writing about that stuff if they're writing about it contemporarily they're not going to put a flattering portrait of mary out there even though mary was pretty much just par for the course of how in general rulers were doing things i mean isabel and ferdinand look at them with like the inquisition and stuff Mm -hmm. and even you know henry the eighth anyone who was he decided was treasonous would get the chop but all of a sudden because mary shows up and she's sort of following the same idea and principle but it also is conflated with religion Mm -hmm. then and that's where people are like, oh, Bloody Mary and all this horrible stuff. But I'm ah. I mean, I remember the horrible histories and they had the even more terrible Tudors book. Yeah. And reading how, I think it was Henry VIII had like 78 or 72,000 people executed, officially executed in his time. Yeah. Which is essentially 35 people a week, aka five people a day. Kind of like there was being a national lottery, but with five losers <laughs> every week. Yeah. We obviously the main focus is on Elizabeth, but it's understanding, you know, what are the family 
dynamic in their relationships. Mm -hmm. And then how afterwards, if you're the person who comes out on top, you know, how are you going to be different and also, you know, learn from the the lessons learned from what you've seen your dad do, your brother, and Mm -hmm. then your sister do. So I think that's sort of the underpinning success story of Elizabeth was, for the most part, we will see when it comes to Mary Queen of Scots, Mm. how that goes down. Like I said, highlighting how there was severe vendettas against Elizabeth, how everybody wanted to kill this lady. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it just because she is an anomaly, she's like a woman, and also she's outside of generally what is the most practiced religion, which is Catholicism versus Protestantism. And you know, she's not married and she's refusing to go and do a bunch of the stuff that she's quote unquote supposed to go and do. Yeah, exactly. Last question What are you looking forward to slash excited about in the next five episodes? Or what are you apprehensive slash nervous about with the next five episodes? Ooh, let's go and bring up what the whole list so people. People know what to expect. Yes. I coming, think that's Coming, quote unquote, next season. Season two. Well, not really season two. It's season one, part two. Yeah. Because there are 20... There's 20 books in the series. And basically having two seasons, two parts each, five books in each part because I don't know about you when I go and I see like a massive clump and if you go and you get behind but then also it's just sometimes it's a little bit nicer to go and space it out and well you know we're always evolving in our format and how we like to do these things but anyways so we have Nzinga we have Kaiolani we have Lady of Chiaoku we have Victoria and we have Mary Queen of Scots so those are the next five So what are you looking forward to or more apprehensive about? A little bit of heads up. We have started researching and recording for some of the upcoming episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will say that I am most concerned about Lady of Chao Ku because just doing some cursory research, it ends up being a bit of a, okay, so we have don't, do not have a lot about this person. And at the same time, though, I don't know if you know this, but talking about China in any sort of a way is kind of a hot topic right now mm. that can go and get a little inflammatory for people. So how to go and write about and to talk about that really long ancient history and culture and peoples right well and I, to try to go in a nuance our conversation a bit too i think about my brain like as in having filing cabinets and a filing system and if you open up the file folder in my brain that says china it's very thin i'm ashamed to admit how thin it is so f- from that perspective i'm excited to learn more things and you know beef up that file folder a little bit so i'm looking forward to that and then i say apprehensive or this or that i get the the lighter load coming up so I get Kaiulani and I get Victoria mm-hmm. and these two ladies are two of my historical faves so I'm excited about that but when you when you're doing stuff with your faves it is that whole thing where you're like, I can't cover every single thing so how do I want to approach this especially because Victoria is my Marie Antoinette like mm-hmm. since a small child I've had a fascination with her but obviously that has changed and tempered over time it's like a, when you're a kid and you have certain ideals about your parents mm-hmm. and then as you get older you realize oh they're a flawed human being so it's sort of the same thing that's happened with me and Victoria but I still have a a tiny piece of me that's oh I love Victoria yeah the frills and the antiques and whatever so that being said I'm looking forward to that but it's also a how do you talk about someone who you oh I already know everything about this how do you talk about it in a new and fun way for yourself but also for someone else you know what I'm also looking forward to I'm also looking forward to deconstructing Mary Queen of 
mascots a little bit. Yeah, that'll be fun. Mostly because there probably will be an extended rant heads up about the <sighs> Saoirse Ronan film, which is absolutely terrible. Fair enough. And just going and talking about her. And I think also that's going to be, I think, a really a really useful follow-up in a way to the Elizabeth the First episode, too, because that is a significant episode. They are significant people in each other's lives for various reasons. I'm looking forward to that. I know we have we have two people who actually connected with us via like a review. Oh. So I just want to, because it's very small and it's hard to find sometimes. So someone who reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, they said, listen to the available episodes and can't wait for more fascinating stuff. Case Mo 7. Thank you very much for your, this is great comment. Oh my God, we got an actual, we got a rating? Yes. Oh my God. We got an actual rating and a I mean, review. And then we also got this uh, person who follows our Tumblr and they messaged us. This is from the Binge Who Stole Christmas. They listened to the first episode and they're definitely a fan. I love y'all's analysis and research. I was wondering the order that we're going to go in. Well, we're following publishing order, mm-hmm. like published order. So I told I told them that. And then they said, dope. I can't wait to all get to Jan Hanara. Thanks to that book, I spent a good amount of my teen years researching the Mughal dynasty. Anyways, thanks for putting this podcast out. I hope all is well for you. So thank you very much, Binge Who Stole Christmas from Tumblr. I just want to say, by the way, that is an amazing username. I know. But also, I really did love that book, too, and I'm really excited that I get to cover it, one, because I love Mughal art and architecture, but also, again, we have a return of very amazing food description, and I'm all about the food description. I feel like we should make our own, based off of the Royal Diaries, kind of recommendation of the, the different foods, or at least we try to make them. Some of that saffron rice business from oh my. Isabel's, and she's, oh, I have to give up all the good food for Lent. Oh my gosh, Isabel. Stopping such a buzzkill. Eat the food. Well, also, I just want to go and say, though, I'd be down to go and have saffron rice, but I don't really want to go and have to mortgage the house or, you know, sell the dog. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much it for us for the first part of our uh, season, season one. one. Think about this as the mid-season break, you know, when I don't watch that much episodic TV at this point. But, remember, but back in the day, remember, there used to be 24 episodes of show and then we'd go off the air for about six to eight weeks. Yeah, well, we're only going to be gone for, like, maybe two, two and a half weeks max kind of thing. Maybe three, depending. But, yeah, we'll let you all know when we're coming back. Just follow us on our Instagram, our Tumblr, our Facebook, and our Twitter because we post a coming soon post on the weekend that we will be posting back. So just keep a heads up for that, and you'll see our coming soon post, and you'll know when we're back up and running. Awesome. So thanks, and for everyone who's liked and reviewed, Thank you so much. And if you're enjoying this, please do the same. Bye. Bye. Follow us for more research, fun facts, soundtracks, and aesthetic posts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at Royal Diaries Pod.